My goodness, what a week it has been. I know that uh, many of you have been through some uh, very traumatic days through uh, loss of property, not to mention loss of sleep, loss of warmth. And uh, I just wanted to begin today by letting you know, by reiterating really what Pastor Ken just said, that your church is standing with you and we are standing with this community. Over the years, Faithbridge has developed a reputation in this community as being a place where uh, people come to serve. And that's what we're all about here. And uh, we're already gearing up. The phone calls are already coming in. And we're already getting ready and making plans about how we can best address the needs that are so widespread. So if you are hurting, please let us know. And not just whether something's happened to your house. Uh, This can be uh, emotionally traumatic as well. And we want to be there for you in, in those instances as well. So give us a call and we'll be glad to serve you in any way that we can. If you were here last week, you know that Ben Stewart brought us just an excellent message on the kindness and compassion of Christ. From the book of Ephesians, he was reminding us of the importance of showing forth that kindness and compassion to the world, primarily through our speech. And he very deftly addressed the epidemic of anger and hatred that is on social media platforms these days, even among believers who otherwise proclaim the name of Christ, but undergo this weird transformation when they get online. And he reminded us so well that uh, words can make or break our witness for Christ. And we just cannot be too careful in choosing what we will say, particularly on platforms that go out who knows how far. Well, I want to continue the the theme of kindness and compassion, shifting gears just a little bit, and this week focusing on behavior. Because there is some truth in the old adage that uh, actions can speak louder than words. And if we have stood up and made the claim to be a follower of Christ, the world is watching and they are wanting to know what does that mean to be a follower of Christ? And are you an accurate representation of what it means to be a follower of Christ? To guide our thinking, uh, we're going to be looking at another passage from the book of Ephesians. This time we're going to be in chapter five. If you want to go ahead and turn in your Bibles We'll be looking at the first two verses of Ephesians chapter 5. Paul writes, Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Will you pray with me, please? Father, we give you thanks for this day and this opportunity to come into your house to lift up the name of your son, Jesus, in the power of your Holy Spirit. We pray now as we turn our attention to your word, your Holy Spirit would come just as you promised to be our teacher and to guide us into all truth. We pray in Jesus' name. 
Amen. I want this morning's message to be uh, very practical in nature. I want to give you some handles, some things that you can begin to implement right away in terms of showing forth who Christ is through kindness and compassion. The starting place for representing Christ to the world is to be with Christ. If we're going to, as the scripture says, follow the example of Jesus, we must first be with Jesus. If we're going to live like Jesus, we must be with Jesus. Because you see, the Christian life is not merely a matter of mimicking Jesus' behavior. That doesn't have the ability to last very long anyway. None of us could live as consistently as he lived And before long, the temptation would be overwhelming just to quit because of our failure, because of our tendency, our proclivity to fall into sin. Because we are broken, finite creatures, there's no way we can measure up to living as perfectly as Jesus lived. That is why when you become a Christian, you don't simply try to do as Jesus did. No, becoming a Christian is the invitation for Jesus to come and indwell your heart and your life. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, we are indwelt by the living, resurrected Christ. And it is his desire to live his life out through us. That's where the strength to live for Jesus comes from. And we tap into that strength by spending time with Jesus. That's why we are regularly up here talking about the importance of a quiet time, of a devotional life where we are intentionally setting aside time to be with Jesus. Because here's the fact of the matter. Whatever you spend time with, whoever you spend time with, is going to influence and impact the way that you live. There's just no getting around it. We are highly influenceable creatures. And whoever we are around or whatever environment we find ourselves in is inevitably going to rub off on us and begin to show itself in the way that we live, the way that we speak, the way that we behave, the way that we treat other people, our priorities, our values. Not long ago, um, I was uh, speaking with my parents who live in North Carolina. I, I was raised in the state of Georgia by uh, a mom and dad who were originally from North Carolina. And so uh, whatever Southern accent I have, I come by honest. I was wrapping up a phone conversation with them when my wife Becky walked in the room and I noticed she had a bit of a smirk on her face. So after I hung up, I said, well, what's going on with you? And she said, "Uh, you were talking to your folks just then, weren't you? And I said, yeah, what? What about it? And she said, I can always tell when you're talking either to your parents or your siblings because your voice changes. So what are you talking? I, I, it doesn't change. She said, yes, it does. She said, you put your Georgia voice on. <laughs> Not only does your accent change, but your vocabulary changes, your expressions that you use, the phrases that you, I said, come on, I've got more vocal integrity than that. What are you talking about? She said, I'm just telling you, change. I told her she was full of beans, but (laughs) upon further reflection, I had to concur. Yeah, I do. And you do too. 
We all do in a whole variety of ways, not just in speech patterns, but wherever we spend our time, it's going to influence us. Whoever we spend time with, they are going to influence us, and it is going to come out at some point in time. That is why it is imperative that you and I spend time with Jesus, because the world eventually is going to squeeze us, and we're going to find ourselves in uncomfortable situations, situations that produce anger, a lack of patience. And what's going to come out? Is it going to be us or is it going to be Jesus? Is it going to be something very unchristlike, or is it going to be something quite Christ-like? We get to choose. Now, I know that several of us here have just begun our journey with Christ, and you can legitimately say, I'm with you, Pastor Dan. I believe you, but honestly, I don't know how. I, I didn't grow up in a house that prayed or that read the Bible. I don't even know where to begin. Well, you're in luck because that's why the staff of FaithBridge exists in part is to equip you to be a disciple of Jesus. And we are just a phone call away to provide you with all the assistance you would ever need to learn how to pray, to learn how to be in God's word, to learn how to be in the presence of Jesus so that Jesus can begin to wear off on you and you can show forth Jesus to the world. And the world desperately needs Jesus. Your part of the world desperately needs the Jesus that you can represent, that you can show forth. So I ask you this morning, what, what's the state of your devotional life? Are you carving out intentional time every day to be with Jesus? To receive from him the nourishment that only he can provide? Or is Jesus really just sort of getting the leftovers, you know, a nod and a wink at best? If we're going to be Jesus for the world, it starts by being with Jesus. And if you need help with that, call us. We've got booster classes on the basics of the Christian life. We've got discipleship opportunities. We've got men's and women's ministries designed to help men and women grow in their faith. We've got grow groups where you can enjoy fellowship with other believers and grow together in righteousness, in Christ-likeness. There's really no reason for you not to grow other than your unwillingness to do so. Let us help you. Become the man or the woman that Jesus is calling you to be. We need to be with Jesus so that we can follow his example. And the example, the two examples that Paul points to specifically in this passage are first of all following the example of Jesus as a servant. A servant. Even a cursory reading of the New Testament reveals to us that Jesus lived to serve other people. It wasn't an afterthought for him. It wasn't something that he might get around to. No, it was the reason he came. It was the focal point and mission of his life. And whether he was healing the sick 
or making provision for the poor or encouraging people through his sermons and his teaching or performing miracles. It was all designed to do one thing, to serve hurting and broken people who desperately needed to be served. And if we're going to authentically follow the example of Jesus, we must be willing to serve others as well. That should be the hallmark of our life as a Christ follower, that we are putting the needs of others before our own. Several years ago, I attended a missions conference in Chicago. And in the course of that conference, one of the speakers said, so uh, if you want to know how effective a servant you really are, here's a surefire way to find out. Ask the people that you live with. They will tell you what your compassion quotient really is. Because they know the real you. They're around you all the time. And furthermore, when you serve in that environment, you're neither getting good publicity nor pay. It's purely an act of selfless service when you do it for your family, your spouse, your children, your roommates. So ask them what they think. I thought, okay, I'm going to give that a shot. So that evening, I got back to the hotel room and called Becky to check in and told her about the conference and told her about what the conference speaker said and invited her to tell me, what's, what's my compassion quotient? How, how good of a servant am I to you and the girls? I naively thought she would be impressed simply because I put it out there for her to comment on. But she quickly disabused me of that notion when she said, do you really want to know? <laughs> yeah. She said, you're a great servant for you. But you're not a good servant for me and the girls. You put work, ministry ahead of us far too many times. You could be a better servant for us. That was not fun to hear. But it was necessary. Because I want to be a genuine follower of Christ. I, I, I don't want to play at this thing. I want Jesus to live his life out through me. But I have the ability to block that by my selfishness. And I think the Lord was using my wife in that painful, though necessary phone call to awaken me to the reality I was blocking him. I was not enabling him to live his life out through me. I certainly wasn't following his example. How about you? If you were to ask your spouse your children, your siblings, your parents, your roommate. What do you think they'd say? Why don't you try it today? The world needs servants. Maybe you don't know where to start. Well, just like we can help you 
with your quiet time, we've got you covered here as well. This winter event, whatever you want to call it, has created ample opportunity for us to serve in a whole variety of ways. And the phone calls are coming in. And so we're marshalling our resources. We're gearing up. We're getting ready. We want to do what Faith Bridge does. We want to make an impact in this community. And you can participate very easily. All you have to do is text the word BLESS to 797979. And that will take you to a link for the Bless Our City effort. And there you will find at least two serve opportunities that everybody in this room could fill at least one of. The first is making phone calls. We've got phone calls coming in and they need to be returned and we need to assess what the needs are and figure out what we can do. So we need people to call them back. If you like talking on the phone, we need your help talking on the phone. The other is actually going out into the community and helping people clean up the mess that this storm has left. You've seen it on television. You've seen the insulation and the drywall and the mess that's been left behind. And while some families are perfectly capable of getting up and mom and dad and the kids just get together and clean it up, there's also plenty of families out there that don't have that blessing. There are single, single elderly adults who don't have the wherewithal to get up and clean. There are people who are sick who don't have the wherewithal to get up and clean. And they need us to come and do that for them. We're not going to be doing anything technical. We're going to leave the plumbing to the plumbers, the electrical work to the electricians, the drywall to the drywall mechanics. We're just going to go and clean and show Jesus. Some of you, I know, are at home cleaning up your own messes this week, and that's right where you need to be. But many of us are not. My family was not terribly impacted by this. And so I plan to be there, giving of my time, my energy, and my service to do what I can to show forth the love of Jesus, to follow his example through kindness and compassion. We become like Jesus by being with Jesus, by serving as he served, and then finally, by being willing to sacrifice as he sacrificed. Verse two in that passage says that Jesus offered himself freely as an offering to God on our behalf. He sacrificed his own life for you and for me. Now, I've observed that that word sacrifice has really become rather watered down in our day. In fact, watered down to the point that I don't know Jesus would recognize the way that we use it. In Jesus' day, a sacrifice was a willing offering of something of value, of great value, a possession or even one's own life. But today, sacrifice really is more equivalent to inconvenience. Now, we, we say to our kids, listen, if you're going to get ahead in life, if you're going to do well at school, you got to make some sacrifices, i.e., you can't party so much. Or when we're upset with them, we may say something like, 
You have no idea the sacrifices your mother and I have made on your behalf. It's more about what we had to give up than about what we had to give. That's not the way Jesus looked at it. Jesus was willing to give all, and he did, for you and for me. On my second trip to India, I was participating in a leadership conference for pastors and other church leaders. And on the first day of the conference, a, a young man approached me and told me that the reason he had come was to discern God's will for his life. I said, what, in, in what regard? And he went on to tell me that he had grown up as a PK, a preacher's kid. But his dad did not occupy a pulpit. He didn't pastor a church. Instead, his father had been led to found and operate a leper colony. I didn't even know that leprosy was still a thing in the world. But there, they had devoted their whole lives to ministering to lepers in the name of Jesus. Untouchables. And it had not been a pleasant upbringing. Poor. You don't get a lot of money running a leper colony. Lots of sacrifices made on behalf of those who were hurting. But this young man was able to put himself through college. He got a degree in chemical engineering. He got an excellent job and was providing for his family in a way that he never dreamed possible while growing up. Still very close to Jesus, generous, with his money, a leader in his church. But he told me about a week before the conference, his dad had called him and said to him, son, I'm an old man now, and I don't have the strength to run the colony anymore. I need you to quit your job and come and take over. Well, the culture in India is a little different when it comes to parental authority and respect for the role of parents in one's lives. I mean, here, it wouldn't have been unreasonable for someone to have said to their parents, no thanks. I've got a good life going here. I'm sorry. You just might have to shut that down. But that wasn't an option for him. And he was wrestling mightily. Am I going to have to sacrifice all that I have worked for to go back to that? I was so glad he did not ask me for counsel. What a decision. Not to mention the fact that I was an outsider. I wasn't a part of that culture. I didn't understand all the ins and outs. I wouldn't be qualified to counsel him. But we did agree to pray about it throughout the week, and we did. On the last day of the conference, he approached me with a big smile on his face. He said, Pastor Dan, I want you to know I have made a decision. I said, tell me about it. He said, I'm going to turn in my notice at work this week. And I'm taking my family and we're moving back home to take over the colony. And in an attempt to show respect for his culture, his family, I said something like, oh, so you, you're doing this out of respect for your father. And he turned with a very confused look on his face and he said, no, I, I'm doing this. Because Jesus laid down his life for me. Surely I can lay down mine for him. 
for these people? Yes. I know that this has been a hard year. Pandemic has taken a toll in lots of different ways. I know that most of you probably did not come to church this morning expecting the preacher to ask you to make a sacrifice, but I'm going to. You see, if, if you text BLESS to 797979, you'll not only be taken to a place where you can sign up to serve, but there'll also be an opportunity to give. And there are people in our community who need a financial blessing. They don't have the resources, especially now that their homes have suffered so much damage. And there are many of us here who have resources. And so I want to challenge you to sit down today and think and pray and ask God, what would you have me do? What sacrifice would you have me make on behalf of those who are doing without? Becky and I plan to do that today. I know that Pastor Ken and Suzanne are as well. And so we're inviting you to join us. We want to show Jesus to the world. Before we can do that, we've got to be with Jesus. And once we've been with Jesus and he has truly influenced our lives, serving won't be a burden. It will be a natural outflow of having been in his presence and the thought of sacrifice will not be frightening because we will live with the knowledge that he first sacrificed for us. In our culture, the gap between society and Christianity is widening by the day. And when we self-identify as Christians, it's a distinctive thing nowadays. I mean, I can remember a time in my childhood, certainly, when to claim to be a Christian was no big deal. Everybody on my street, was, whether they went to church or knew Jesus or not, we were, you know, we were all Christians. It's not that way anymore. It's, it's making a statement. And the world is watching. And the world is evaluating, not just our lives, but Christ and Christianity based on the way we speak and we live the way we serve and we sacrifice. I want to represent Jesus to the world. And I know that you do too. So let's use this terrible event in our community as an opportunity to step back up and be reminded once again, yes, this is who I've been called to be, and these are the things that I have been called to do. In just a moment, we're going to partake of the Lord's Supper, which in my mind stands as a perpetual reminder of the servant Jesus willingly sacrificing on our behalf. On the last night of his earthly life, he, he, he took a loaf of bread and he broke it 
and said to his followers, this, this is my body. This is what is going to happen to my body tomorrow. It will be broken for you. And then after the meal, he took a cup and he held it up before them and said, this cup represents my blood, which tomorrow will be spilled for you for the forgiveness of your sins. And he didn't share that with them to guilt them, but to give them a sacred moment, a sacrament that they and all Christians who would come after them would practice on a regular basis to remind us we are who we are because a servant sacrificed for us. Therefore, we must go into the world and be who we are as we serve and sacrifice for them. Will you pray with me, please? Lord, how grateful we are that you willingly gave your body and your blood that we might have life, life in all of its abundance, not only here, but in the world to come. Thank you for loving us with such abandon. I pray now as we partake of your body and your blood, your grace would be poured out into each of our hearts, reminding us that we represent you to the world. And may we go forth from this place determined to do so. Genuinely, authentically. In ways that not only please you, but bring others to the knowledge of who you are. And we pray it in Jesus' name.